Hi, I'm Boyana. I'm Carol. And you're listening to The Page Turner. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Page Turner. I'm Brianna, as always, and today we have a very special episode for you guys. We are chatting with Kyla Zhao, author of The Fraud Squad. Released just this past January, The Fraud Squad follows Samantha Song, a working-class woman who infiltrates Singapore's high society to fulfill her dreams, but risks losing everything in the process, including herself. Kyla, at only 23, picked up a two-book deal as a debut author after writing The Fraud Squad during her undergraduate education at Stanford University. Her next book, May the Best Player Win, is a middle-grade novel about a chess prodigy as she prepares for the biggest tournament of her life. While navigating her team's boy club culture, middle school friendship, drama, her first crush, and her immigrant parents' weighty expectations. Kyla also has a children's book coming out in 2024, with more details to come out later this year, so keep an eye out. Today we get to chat with Kyla about what inspired her to begin writing fiction, the inspiration behind her book, how she got a publishing deal at such a young age, and where she plans on taking her writing in the future. Without further ado, please enjoy the interview. With me is my wonderful supervisor, Carol. Enjoy! Hi, Kyla. Thank you so much for joining us on the page, Turner. Carol and I are so excited to be talking to you. We just loved your book, and... I, I, I have to tell you, I could not put your book down. I read oh, it within, thank you. I, I read it within a day and a half, and it was while I was sick, so I just sat and I read, and I stayed up till, like, 2 a.m. to finish your book. Oh, wow. Okay, that makes I, me so happy. I, and, and for this to be your debut novel, I... I cannot wait to see what's next for you from you. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. We just kept saying it's her debut. Like it's her debut, like over and over again. Congratulations on that, by the way. On Thank being you so young. much. What was the journey like to get here? I know that's kind of a loaded question, but did you always want to be a writer? Um, you know, you didn't you finished school not too long ago. Um, what what told you, look, I, I need to write this now? Yeah, so I was in my third year of university when I started writing this book. It was in 2020 when a pandemic hit. And I really wanted to go back home to Singapore to be with my family because all my friends were going back home. But then because I was also interning with a tech company based in California, they couldn't let me work from outside the country for tax reasons, security reasons. And so I had to stay put in California. And for most of 2020, I was living alone by myself. And I got pretty homesick and lonely. And I think writing this book was just an escape for me from pandemic reality. And that's why I wanted to make it very fun and glamorous. And setting it in my hometown of Singapore was my way of staying connected with home and like my loved ones back home. That's great. And, you know, just kind of looking back, because I kind of read a little bit about your bio, you started writing for Vogue Singapore and Harper's Bazaar and The Tatler at a very young age. How did you get into that? <laughs> I am curious because you're a new writer, um, very young, I might say. And then so kind of curious, how did you start getting into writing for them? And did obviously that experience kind of transferred into your book? Yeah, so I think I was only 16 when I started writing for magazines. My very first internship was with Harper's Bazaar Singapore. And my very first article was about preparing for weddings. And I was only a teenager then and no actual getting married <laughs> myself. But I think I got an internship through just like cold emailing. And I'm thankful that um, the deputy editor of Harper's Bazaar then took a chance on me. 
I'm not sure if she realized that I was that young. Like I didn't try to hide <laughs> it. I'm, like on my resume, I said that I was still in high school, but I think it was just like glossed over it and no one ever brought my age up. And so I guess they just thought I was a pretty young looking adult. But yeah, so that's I was amazing. That is so cool. Yeah, and I think having that one internship on my resume made it easier to, you know, get subsequent internships. And oh, yes, yeah. this, this definitely inspired my book because when I was working at those magazines, I was coming up close with Singaporean socialites. And that just gave me this behind the scenes look into this very exclusive group of society. And I just got to see, you know, like see behind the glamorous facade and to see what they were like in their natural habitat and how they interacted with one another. And because I was pretty young, I had a very like youthful looking face. So I think the socialites felt comfortable talking about certain things in front of me. I was very much like a fly on the wall. So yeah, that was an interesting insight. So do you, so kind of bringing up uh, your book, The Fraud Squad, do you see yourself in Samantha, in Sam? Like, do you, I mean, cause she's, you know, a young writer who wants to write for um, the elite, you know, the S magazine, the, you know, elite um, periodical and whatnot. And she's, you know, seeing the things behind, you know, coming up with the idea of, you know, her friend Timothy and, and Anya coming in and helping her um, become a socialite in a sense. <laughs> to lose did, did, yeah. So did you, did you um, base Samantha off yourself? Or Honestly, she- yes, a little bit. But <laughs> I think the similarity is not on the surface. Okay, yes, like we both love magazines and writing for magazines. But I think Samantha as a character is a lot bolder than I am. And I think that's what makes her so attractive to write. I felt like I was kind of living this alter ego vicariously through my character, what she did. Right. But I think one thing that I really drew upon from my personal life was just the sense of imposter syndrome. Because when I moved from Singapore to attend Stanford University, I went from being in a country which was predominantly Chinese, I'm Chinese, to this predominantly white elite institution. My classmates were from some of the wealthiest families in the world. Their last names were on the sides of buildings on campus. And they just seemed very mature and sophisticated. And I felt very young and lost. And I definitely questioned whether I belonged. So I kind of put these feelings of not knowing if I belonged into my main character and how she feels like, even though she's pretending to be a socialite and she's wearing the right clothes, she's um, you know, saying all the right things, but deep down she knows she doesn't belong. Um, I think that's great. And I think that's something, that's two sides that I think a lot of people will relate to is, you know, the imposter syndrome, but that and also the insight into these groups of people and what they really like and, you know, becoming friendly. And so I think that's really enticing and what makes it such a page turner, no pun intended with the podcasting. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think um, we always wonder, right? Uh, did you always know that you were going to, did you always want to work for um, a magazine or intern for a magazine like Harper's Bazaar that, you know, is about the elite? Or was it just by chance that you fell into that specific type of magazine? Yeah, I think it was kind of by chance. Like I was interested in fashion from a very young age. Mm. And Harper's Bazaar is more of like a fashion magazine, like high-end fashion, but predominantly the focus was on fashion. 
But then when I interned for Tedler, that was my after my freshman year of university. And Tedler, it's very much like luxury focused. And I think that was kind of my first real exposure to elite society and to socialize. And then when I worked at Vogue, I think that was kind of a return back to my fashion roots. But definitely across all these magazines, there was very much a focus on luxury, but it all stemmed from my original interest in fashion. Obviously, you know, you're writing, you're writing novels now. How was that transition like writing, you know, editorials and, and columns in magazines to writing a full, complete novel? Yeah, I mean, writing a novel definitely feels more like a marathon than a sprint. <laughs> I mean, I think working on this book from, you know, writing the first draft to it being published, that took two and a half years. And so there was like a lot of waiting, a lot of patience. Whereas for magazines, I was writing like two to three articles a week. So it's a lot like faster. But also I think writing for magazines means that I have to sometimes suppress my personal voice in order to fit the magazine's editorial voice. Whereas for a novel, it's very much about me and it's my name on the cover. And so I couldn't really hide behind the reputation of the magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was definitely a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more intimidating. But people keep saying, you know, once you put your work out there, you know, it's out of your control. And so I can't imagine dealing with that at such a young age, but it sounds like, you know, you work with some really great editors and some really great people who have been, maybe not in the novel writing business, but who have been in the writing world. They, any of your past editors and mentors were really helpful in navigating that, or did you feel like you had to find your own personal way of dealing with it? Um, honestly, I think meeting meeting other authors online and in person have, has been really helpful because they have been there, done that. They have... <laughs> you know, gone through the industry before. And so they were able to give me really helpful advice that helped me navigate the industry as a new and very young author. And definitely what you said about reviews, I think it can be quite scary. So I never check out online reviews. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, and I tell my friends and family to not say anything because I think at the very beginning, like someone texted me, they were like, oh, I just saw the review, like, don't worry about it. They don't know what they're talking about. Oh it's so God. mean. And I was like, I wish you just never said anything because I would have yeah. never known it existed. So yeah, but nowadays I just tell them to not tell me anything. And if my friends or family, they're reading my book, I tell them not to say anything either. I pretend that no one has read my book. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So I do apologize then because um, I did mention, I did love your book. So I mean, no, I have my that is book. great. I, I'm ecstatic. So someday I, I will we'll get to meet you in yes, person. Okay. So I'll appreciate that. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, what authors inspired you? Yeah, well, this is going to sound cliche, but like Kevin Kwan, I think it was the first time where I saw a book that was set in my country of Singapore achieve mm-hmm. mainstream popularity. And that was the first time at least that I saw an Asian character could be the star of a rom-com. Because previously, I felt like a lot of the books about Asian characters that have become famous and well-known are pretty sad stories, like the Joy Luck Club. And I think those stories are so important, and they were very formative for me in my reading experiences. But I just kind of wanted to see like a vibrant, fun story starring Asians like myself, and I got to see that in Kevin Kwan's books. So that was awesome. Kind of switching a minute here. Do you think... Fraud Squad could be a movie. 
Oh, I thought movie material. So we were like, we have to ask. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think a lot of people tell me that it's very cinematic and I see that. So yeah, it'll be awesome if yeah. it becomes a movie someday. That would be great. I, I, I think it would, it would lend itself to be a great movie. Is this world continuing? Do you see yourself completely switching gears on what you would next write? Something completely different? Or um, we do know you have a young adult book coming out, though. <laughs> yeah, so actually, before this book came out, because all my author friends who have published books were telling me that, you know, once your book comes out, you're going to hear reviews, even if you try to block it out. And it's going to, like, just, like, get into your head space. And so I was very determined. So my contract for my adult novels, it's two adult novels. And so I just told myself that I yeah, and I told myself that I had to finish writing the first draft of my next book before this book came out, just so that, you know, like I don't lose motivation to write in case the reviews are like horrendous. So I finished my first draft like last September, I believe. And that is set in a universe that's completely different from the Fraud Squad. But it's also about a character who grapples with imposter syndrome. I think I just like writing about that yeah. for some reason. Um, it's set in New York and it's about, um, an Asian character not that that's the focus but yeah it's another Asian woman and she works in fashion in New York and she loves that but then for various reasons she has to get a new job and so she needs to move to Silicon Valley where she gets a job at a tech startup <laughs> so it's like legally blonde where she goes from you know like fashion to tech and she feels completely out of place and overwhelmed that sounds so fun I'm, I'm ecstatic. I, I cannot wait to. So when do you suppose this book, your book is coming out, your next book coming out? Next January. And yeah, like I work at a tech okay. company right now and all my coworkers think I'm writing about them. I'm not. <laughs> well, because you're, you just mentioned your next book is from New York to, you know, Silicon Valley in the tech world. So kind of, is it, do you find it you're mimicking your life a little bit? Cause now you're, cause you are currently working for a tech company in Silicon Valley. Do you see yourself in all of your characters that you're writing about? Yes, definitely a little bit. In fact, I would say that the Silicon Valley book is very close to my heart because I started writing the first draft just as I was starting my full-time job at, mm -hmm. uh, after graduation in 2021. And I studied um, the social sciences and the humanities at Stanford, but then suddenly I'm working in a tech company, but I'm surrounded by like engineers and data scientists. And so, you know, imposter syndrome struck again. So I think I kind of poured that into my characters. Wow. I want to say that I think uh, some or some of us or me personally, like the imposter syndrome is kind of like, you know, I would love to get an, an eye in that world and see how it all plays out and whatnot. And so kind of living vicariously through the characters, like, oh, I wish, I wonder if that's something that that others would do, would would want to do as well, right? Because I think, like, I like, I see myself in Samantha, I'm like, oh, that would be awesome to be able to have friends in that society and then come back and say, you know, trust me, I want to see what this world feels yeah. like. Because, you know, like you think about celebrities, you think about the you know, the award ceremonies and things like yeah. that. And you, you kind of see yourself like, oh, I wonder what that world is really like. That's so funny because I I feel the opposite. I, I followed award shows a bit for years, but every time I see them glammed up, I think that would be fun, but that feels like a lot of pressure. <laughs> it, it really is. Like I have this, I just created a TikTok account um, and it focuses on like pop culture. So I analyze celebrity <laughs> culture a lot. And so I'm like into that world and yeah I think it is very scary like I don't think you could pay me to go through the kind of intense public scrutiny that they go through. no 
true. I mean, you just you just look at, you know, the glammed up and they look fantastic, right? But it's almost yeah. like, well, you better look good. You know, it's not like, oh, they just happen to have a fun night out in the town. It's like, no, every yeah. day you need to look good because you're competing against a billion other people. Exactly. I think it's a very cutthroat industry. Yeah. yeah. So you've got another book coming out. And so, and then, so out of curiosity, because the book that is coming out soon is a children's novel. So that's also coming out next year, I believe. In fact, I think that yeah. might be coming out after my second adult novel. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So what made you decide to write a children's novel? Yeah, so, you know, I also wrote this back in 2021. I think 2021 was a pretty prolific writing. Wow, yeah. I was like, you were very productive. Oh, my God. Oh, actually, no, it was back in 2020. Yeah, it was exactly same year I wrote The Fraud Squad. Apologies, I got my timelines mixed up. I finished writing The Fraud Squad that summer. I finished writing it in September. And then I remember it was November, and that was like a really pressing month what happened oh yeah it was during the presidential elections um mm-hmm. and I felt like a lot of you know like powerful politicians were saying very hateful things and yeah. again it was during the pandemic and I also think that was when there were really bad wildfires in the Bay Area and so it was like yeah. smoky and gray every day yes. outside yeah so in that kind of environment I wanted to write something very innocent because I felt like a lot of adults were so cynical and jaded including myself and I wanted to capture the innocence of a child and so I wrote a children's novel and it started out as a young adult novel but it later it later became a middle grade novel so it's more suitable for like middle schoolers and it's about a young female chess prodigy who makes a bet with a sexist teammate to prove that girls can be as good as boys when it comes to chess and I played chess growing up. So yeah, it's also ah, very close to my heart. Yeah. I only write about things that I know because I don't really want to do research for my novels. <laughs> I love that you're honest about that though. <laughs> like, I mean, they say they also do say write what you know, but no, I, I want to write what I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was still a student then. I was writing a lot of research papers and essays for school. So the last oh. thing I wanted was to do more research for like my hobby and turn that into work. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it, it sounds like it's writing has been very like therapeutic for you. It really has been. It's been very cathartic. And I always, you know, people always ask me, like, do you think you'll ever become a full-time author? And I always say no, because for now it is just a passion and a hobby. And I think if it were to become my full-time job and if my livelihood was to depend on it, I think I would just start paying a lot more attention to like market trends and to what readers mm-hmm. want rather than writing the stories that I want to tell. That's great. A really good point. <laughs> so you've got two two books coming out next year. Yeah. What's next for you after that? Do you Oof. think you'll... <laughs> Are you going to stay in tech? <laughs> I, I don't know, honestly. I mean, it really depends, I guess. I do feel like I have more story ideas in me, but I don't think I'll be writing a new book this year just because I'm working on two books that are coming out next year. Right. And... Like already, I think juggling two books, especially two books in such different age groups and different genres, um, that's been getting quite difficult for me. So yeah, I think for now, I'll just focus on these two books. And when they come out next year, I can start looking to the future. Okay, we would love to have you back. Yes, yes, I would love to <laughs> be back. And hopefully some, someday we'll, you know, um, we could do it in person. You yeah, know, that would yeah. be great. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Do you have any uh, piece of advice? for um, young readers, young writers about writing? (laughs) 
Yeah, I think the biggest advice I could give would just be to write a story that you want to read, that you want to tell. Mm -hmm. Because like I said earlier, I worked on the fraud squad for two and a half years. Um, that's a really long time to be working on something if you don't love it. Like I love my story and even I got sick of it after rereading it for like the hundredth time. And so you're going to have a miserable time if you don't genuinely feel for the story that you're writing. So yeah, like just ignore um, market trends, ignore industry trends. They change all the time anyway. And just, you know, focus on putting your story out there into the world. Can I ask um, kind of in that publishing world, how did you go about finding your publisher? Like, did you have to, did it get rejected a couple of times or was it, you know, a lucky shot where someone actually picked up your book and they loved it? Yeah, um, I think I went through the pretty standard process. So I had to get for traditional publishing so I had to find a literary agent first and that involved a lot of cold emailing and I was fortunate to get a few different offers from cold emailing but funny story is that the agent I eventually signed with she slid into my twitter dms because she heard about my book some oh that was because I was very active on twitter then and so I was always tweeting about my book and about the process so yeah I guess that's how she heard of it and she reached out to me and asked to read my manuscript she read it in like a day and then she made an offer and I really liked her. So I signed with her and then we worked on the book for like a couple more months. And the day before I turned 23, which was around the same time I graduated from Stanford, she sent my book out to publishers and, you know, it was just like a waiting game from then on, hoping that someone would want to buy my book. And then within a couple of weeks, I think we got a few different offers. So we went to auction and I thought that, you know, it would be like wow. an piece where people raise their little cards and shout out numbers. But no, it was all done over email. And yeah, so, <laughs> and I was not involved in the email process. I just heard whatever my agent told me. So I think I missed all the excitement of it. But yeah, and then, oh, the really great part is that I got to announce my book deal exactly one year after I started writing the book. Wow. Yeah, so it's one of those like full circle moments. That I just really yes, like. that's so cool. Oh you must God. have been ecstatic. You know, one year exactly, one year. So happy for you! Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's just great. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. Oh my god. Yeah, and you know, it was funny because um, I was on vacation last week, and I opened. You know, I woke up in the morning, saw the paper, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm reading this book. Oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah, I did not I know that the paper article. was coming out then. Oh yes, yeah. The um the article came out in the San Jose Mercury News last yeah. week, and I saw it, and I was like, I'm going to be talking to her. I sent it to oh. uh, Brianna, and I said, Look, she's on the front page of the paper, and we were ecstatic because yeah. you know it was something that we don't get a whole lot of authors all the time, and so um to see you excel mm -hmm. and getting oh, the recognition you. that you're getting. Mm -hmm. It, you know, we're very happy for you. And yes. it's, it's, it's just heartwarming. Yeah, we thank also can't thank you for um, letting us interview you um, just because, you know, everything at some point that makes money, you know, is a business. And so we understand, you know, a lot of times we just can't afford to speak to a lot of authors. And so we just want to thank you so much. We know that you're doing, you know, an event at a library and uh, we appreciate you supporting us and libraries. Oh, for sure. I love libraries so much. Like, Thank yeah, you. that's where I get a lot of my books from libraries, to be honest. Love that. You guys heard it here first. Okay. <laughs> Kyla uses libraries. No, for real. Yeah. So yeah. maybe to, you know, kind of wrap things up. What are you reading right now? Do you read um, as a hobby? How often? Or 
you're just too busy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely read a lot. I think I've um, been reading less just because things have been getting busier. But yeah, I think you can actually track how busy I am from like how much I've been reading. So I remember <laughs> the year, my last year of college when I wasn't like working full time yet, I think I read like 180 books. Oh my God. Last year, which was the first year that I spent work in the workforce I read like maybe 80 something books so you know yeah. very big drop that's what still I, good thank you um what am I reading oh I just finished reading an advanced copy of happy place the new Emily Henry book oh yeah, oh, yeah. Emily Henry. yeah, nice. yeah I think nice. it's coming out soon it's really good I think it's the best book yet so yes really? oh, okay yeah oh, on it <laughs> uh, yeah oh I am don't even worry if I didn't get Emily Henry in this building my patrons would not be happy <laughs> oh yes I believe yeah. that yeah yeah so that was like the book that I finished reading and I've actually been watching a lot of tv because I like yeah. to zone out and sometimes I don't know I just feel like these days whenever I read a book it's really hard to turn my writer brain off like oh. I cannot just enjoy the story I'm always like looking at the sentences and being like oh this is an interesting um sentence structure or interesting choice of words oh, no. interesting so yeah. does that ruin the book for you in a sense because you a can't turn bit. that yeah there's oh, like no voice in my head so yeah so yeah. I'm about watching tv shows now and I'm watching modern family for the first time for the first time oh yeah it, there's like 10 seasons so it I can be watching this for months and I love that the episodes are only 20 minutes long it's so easy to finish it whereas yes. now tv shows are like 90 minutes per episode so it's like a movie like that is a movie yeah, yeah I don't have absolutely. the attention span for that oh that's awesome that well I'm glad you found another outlet yes <laughs> tv's great I mean I love waiting too but tv's we, we talk about tv a lot too yeah 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 that is awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Kyla. Um, for having me. Of course. And again, congratulations yes. on your success. This is wonderful. I hope all your um, events that you have going on go great. And um, we will talk to you in the future. Yes. Yeah, we'll definitely sure. reaching out. And, and I can't wait for your next book to come out. Okay. And, be, and we also mentioned to our children's librarian about your other book that's coming oh, out as well. Awesome. Um, okay. I'll do a show. So, so she... So she's excited um, when we said it. She's writing a children's novel, so you know, get yeah. ready. So we're we're excited. Oh, so nice okay. to see what's coming next for you, and congratulations again. Thank you. And if you ever want me to do an in-person event, very happy to do so. Oh, oh yes, that'll be definitely, awesome. Great. Definitely, definitely. Okay. Just be free to reach out whenever. So definitely be reaching out. Thanks, Kyla. Awesome. You have a great day. You Bye. too. Have a great week. Okay. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this interview with the wonderful Kyla Jell. Come check out her book, The Fraud Squad, now here at the Los Gatos Library. As always, I'm Brianna, and you're listening to The Page Turner. <laughs>